Hello everyone, welcome back to In Memory Of, the podcast where we'll be remembering victims of colour. We'll be visiting cases to raise awareness and to end the discrimination of victims of colour in the media. My name is Zara, thank you so much for joining me. In today's episode, we will be reopening the tragic case of Shukri Abdi. If you're not aware, this was a big case in 2019. Shukri was expected home after school on the 27th of June 2019, but did not return. And at midnight on the 28th of June, her body was discovered in a river. So in today's episode, we will be examining the facts of this awful case and how justice for Shukri is still ongoing. So the sources used for today's episode were Galdem, The Guardian, The BBC, the race archive wikipedia the daily mail and meal so the links i've used are in the description if you want to have a read but thank you to all these sources so the sections we'll be covering today are all about shukri relevant background information to the case the day of the crime court details and evidence greater manchester police and shukri's legacy so without further ado let's get into today's episode shukri was born on the 1st of august 2006 and came to the uk with her mother and four siblings after they fled conflict in somalia shukri was born and brought up in a refugee camp in kenya she and her family were brought to the uk as part of the vulnerable persons resettlement scheme in which refugees are vetted by the united nations so only the most vulnerable individuals and families are accepted onto this scheme and shukri's family was the family were then settled in bury greater manchester shukri was funny and boisterous she wanted to be a doctor when she grew up and she wanted to make her mum proud but as we know unfortunately she never got to make that happen so some relevant information to the case shukri started at broad oak sports college aged 11 but the school she joined was notorious among her community it was said to have problems with racism and bullying. A student at the school said she thought for children like Shukri, the racial tensions at the school would have made it difficult for her to make friends. She said that students self-segregated. They are all separated and they still are. I would say that all the whites are separate, all the browns are separate and all the blacks are separate. Another student who asked to remain anonymous said that in 2017, which is around the time Shukri joined the school, that tensions got worse with students asking why are they coming here? in reference to migrants and refugees. Shukri's mom, Zamzam Toure, revealed that her daughter had been targeted by bullies. In interviews, she said that her daughter would come home each day complaining about abuse and that she had been pushed into the road and that other children had stamped on her feet. According to Zamzam, the situation became so bad that she made two formal complaints to the school, but nothing was ever done. It was also said that there were other accounts of bullying being reported by parents and children that was being dealt very poorly by the school. Two months after Shukri's death, the school was suddenly shut down, turned into an academy and given a brand new name, Hazelwood High School, and it had a whole new uniform as well. So for me, that feels like the school is trying to distance themselves to shirk responsibility for what has happened to Shukri, which you know me, we're not gonna let that happen in this podcast. Everyone that has a blame will get the blame. So Broad Oak Sports College, that is what it was called when Shukri was attending. They've changed their name to Hazelwood High School. And so we're gonna be referring to them as Hazelwood High School. The day of the crime. On any given day, Shukri was expected to go home 
and then go to the mosque. This is because she and her younger siblings would attend lessons at the mosque from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Zamzam, Shukri's mom, stated that Shukri had been expected home at 3.15 that day, the 27th of June, 2019, so that she could be in time for mosque prayers at 5 p.m. But when her daughter failed to return home by 4 p.m., she then went to the school, Hazelwood High School. She confirmed that Shukri had on occasions been home late, but she would always find her at the school which is why she went there. She also described how the staff at the school reception knew her and would laugh and ask, are you looking for Shukri? So when Shukri didn't come home at 3.15, like Zamzam was expecting, she might have assumed that she had an after-school club or she was doing something at school, which is why she went straight to the school. But on this day, she went to the school and was told that Shukri wasn't there. So she then went to a nearby park and then started to panic she didn't know where Shukri could be and so she called on other families to help her look. With no luck searching, Zamzam had reported Shukri missing to the police. An underwater search team then recovered Shukri's body shortly before midnight and her mother, who had begun searching for her at 4pm, was informed of Shukri's death at 1am. An inquest was raised by Rochdale Coroner's Court and opened on the 9th of July, 2019. Witnesses say they saw Shukri with other children and it was confirmed that four children were present with Shukri on the day of her death. These children and other children who were witnesses can't be named for legal reasons. All these children are under 16. And so we will be referring to them as child one, child two, child three, child four, and child five. So to clarify, child one, child two, child three and child four were all present with Shukri at the river but child five was a witness to the case but was not at the river. Child three and child four had never even met Shukri before the day of her death. During police interviews that took place after Shukri's death, both children kept repeatedly forgetting her name. That's how well they didn't know her. Shukri's mom was not made aware that there was a friendship between child two and Shukri. So Zamzam didn't know that they were friends, but Zamzam was aware of child one and knew for a fact that child one and Shukri were not friends. Child one was actually one of the bullies that had been affecting Shukri's school day. So that is some information to note before we get into it. Child three and child four explained there was no plan made for all children and Shukri to go to the river. According to child four, it was a coincidence. However, child two, acknowledged that during their school day on the day of Shukri's death child one and child two decided to go out after school they decided they'd go on a trip to Primark dinner at child one's house and then their eventual fateful destination to the banks of River Irwell the account of another witness child five however indicated that there was more to the case than child one and two were presenting during the day shukri had agreed to join child one and child two on their after-school plans but had changed her mind at some point during the day and decided to go to her after-school club which was an athletics school club child one and child two were at the gate but once they realized that shukri would not be joining them they became angry and pissed off according to child two and went looking for her in the school child one and child two found shukri in in a locker room when the pair entered child one started pushing shukri around and told her to get changed child five recalled it was all laughing and jokes before they arrived but as soon as child one came in it was just silent shukri seemed a bit worried scared not like really scared just a bit so those were child's five exact words this appeared odd to child five as shukri was normally happy and according to child five throughout the whole incident shukri was quiet 
and was looking at the wall and the floor. Child 5 thought that child 1 and 2 were being horrible and eventually child 1 and 2 left with Shukri. Once they'd gone, another girl who was present said to child 5 that was a bit nasty wasn't it? Referring to the incident that had just happened in the locker rooms. Child 5 indicated that most of the contact between the pair in the locker rooms and Shukri came from child one so when they were pushing shukri around and telling her to get changed came from child one so i just want you to keep that in mind because this is something that stuck with me as well child four then told the inquest that they had been watching toy story 4 at the movies with child three prior to seeing the group child three and child four agreed to go to the river with child one child two and Shukri. They said child one, child two, and Shukri were friendly towards each other en route to the river, so it didn't seem odd. Child four said that Shukri seemed not too bothered about going in the river, and when child one asked Shukri about her swimming ability, Shukri said that she was all right. But at the inquest hearing, Zamzam, Shukri's mum, told the court Shukri could not swim and had never been swimming or been near a river in her life. Shukri's uncle also reported that she couldn't swim and wouldn't even go near the edge of bodies of water, calling the whole incident out of character. It was later found that child one had promised she would teach Shukri how to swim, which is a big reason as to why a lot of people believe she got into the water in the first place. She would have been completely reliant on child one because she does not know how to swim. Child 4 also stated that Child 1 and Shukri went to where the water was deeper, just below shoulder height of Child 4, while Child 2 remained paddling in the shallower part of the river. Child 4 said that Shukri seemed untroubled in the deeper water when she had her arm around Child 1's shoulder, but appeared to get into difficulties when Child 1 let go of Shukri and swam back to the other children. Once left alone, Child 4 said Shukri's head went under and came back up. I think she was trying to say something, but couldn't trying to call out, but she couldn't. Child 2 corroborated that Shukri and Child 1 were at first holding hands when they got into the river, but states that it was Shukri who let go of Child 1's hand because the water was flowing. Child 2 says, she went down, she came back up again, she shouted help, help. She was flapping her hands, she was scared. I knew she would die. When she went down the second time, she never came back up. Child 2 also claimed that Child 1 told Shukri, if you don't get into the water, I'm gonna kill you but acknowledged that she had done so in laughing and joking way. Child 4 was asked at the inquest if Child 1 was laughing when they could see Shukri struggling in the water, and Child 4 replied, yes, and they said, they presumed it was because they thought Shukri was joking about drowning, but Child 4 could see that Shukri wasn't joking. But remember that Child 3 and Child 4 had only met Shukri on that same day. They were forgetting her name in the interview, that's how little they knew her, but they themselves could tell that her distress was genuine. Whereas child one, who knew her well and was hanging out with her at school, was laughing at her distress. Child four jumped in the water to try and save Shukri. Child three ran to get a stick to try and pull Shukri out while child one was laughing for a couple of minutes. Child one was still laughing when me and child three were trying to help. Child one was still laughing when I jumped in. Child four said that neither child one or child two could do anything and that child one had only stopped laughing when the police came. After jumping into the water to try save Shukri, Child 4 realised they would not be able to save her, so they ran to the nearby Berry station to alert them. Child 3 did the same. Child 4 said that Child 3 blamed Child 1 because they let go of Shukri. 
Child one didn't give evidence directly the way that the other children did, but we did get her her say. So child one says she, referring to Shukri, thought she could swim, but didn't know how to swim. She got in the water next to me. She was grabbing my hand. She was holding my legs at the back. I pushed her. I accidentally pushed her to the deep end. I couldn't swim like that. I pushed her. Something happened. She went down in the water to get back up. She didn't make it. We were calling to Shukri to get up. She didn't get up. We were all crying and shouting. She's like really small. We were panicking. We were like, no, this cannot happen. So that was Child One's account. There was also a statement given by Gillian Fenton, which was a paramedic who was one of the first emergency services personnel to arrive on the scene at the day of Shukri's death. She said that she initially thought the call could have been a hoax, so she thought it was a prank call because of how calm the girls were. No one appeared to be crying or in a state of distress, and she said that no one appeared to be wet, and she wondered if anyone had made any attempt to rescue Shukri. The coroner from Manchester North, Joanne Kearsley, told Child 4, you were exceptionally brave. You jumped in the river, not being able to see. You ran to the police station. You jumped a barrier. You did everything you could to save Shukri. You were very, very brave. The family wants to thank you for all the efforts you made to save Shukri's life. Similarly, Coroner Kersley told Child 3, I know it had been very difficult for you. You did try to run up the bank to see where Shukri was. You also ran to the police station. You did everything you could. So in court, Shukri's death was ruled a tragic accident, but the family were not happy with this case. They felt as though the police and the court were only taking the day of the crime into consideration and not everything else, including the bullying and the behaviour exhibited towards Shukri. But there's a lot to be said about the police. The Greater Manchester the police ruled that Shukri's case was a tragic accident and closed the case after two weeks of investigations. But the Greater Manchester Police is already considered a poorly run force. In 2020 alone, the police inspectorate said that the force had failed to properly record the details of 80,000 crimes in a single year. Shukri's mother Zamzam told the BBC that when she reported her daughter missing on the day of her death, police initially failed to act. 10 hours later, she was informed that her daughter had been found dead, but described the police as not sympathetic. The family's lawyer, Atik Malik, said that within hours of Shukri's death, the Greater Manchester Police had published a press release saying there was no suspicious circumstances. He said this had left insufficient time to check all evidence trails and discount any other possibilities. Just eight hours after Shukri's body was recovered, the Greater Manchester Police sent out a press release saying that the 12-year-old's death was an incredibly tragic incident but that there was not believed to be any suspicious circumstances at this time. But how could they have possibly known? By that point, they hadn't interviewed any of the children that were present in that afternoon. They hadn't done any background information to see what was going on in Shukri's life. How could they know there was no foul play and that it was a tra- it of course was a tragic incident. But how could they say there were no suspicious circumstances? The family claim officers failed to carry out a full investigation and treated them differently because of their ethnic background. Zamzam herself said they spoke to her harshly and they were trying to convince her that her daughter had been swimming, which the family have already said was very unlikely because Shukri herself could not swim. Shukri's whole family, including her mum, their main language 
is Somali. Zamzam only spoke little English. The courts were aware of this at the inquest. The school were aware of this as Shukri was a student. They were aware. But following Shukri's death, there was a meeting at the police station with the school, but an interpreter was not provided, rendering the meeting futile. She was not understood and could not understand. At the inquest, so in court, a translator was hired by the court to convey Zamzam's evidence in English, but this was done very poorly. The translations were so imprecise that even non-Somali speakers in the courtroom could tell that something was up. Zamzam would give long answers and the English translation would only be a couple sentence long. Only when a journalist alerted the court is when the coroner had Zamzam's testimony retranslated. It ended up that only 40% of her evidence had been translated to the court. Due to the severity of the situation and what had happened, you would assume that the court would take this seriously. They had time to prepare adequate interpretation services for Shukri and anybody else that may have needed it in court, but they didn't. So this does not speak well for either the school or the police's attitude towards the family because they did not care enough to make sure Shukri's family could understand everything that was happening. The Greater Manchester Police is a force that has quite a negative relationship with communities of colour in the city. And this goes back decades. In 1998, the then Chief Constable of the Great Manchester Police, David Wilmot, admitted that his own force was institutionally racist. And so many years later, black people are still three and a half times more likely to have force used against them and six times more likely to be stopped and searched by the Greater Manchester Police than white people. In almost every instance of force being deployed, it was disproportionately used against black people by the Greater Manchester Police Force. So this begs the question, did institutional racism have a part to play with the way they dealt with Shukri's death? Shukri drowned in a river even though she feared water and could not swim. She went there with fellow pupils, who, according to witnesses, did not appear to be her friends. Her mother had reportedly asked her school numerous times to deal with the racist bullying that Shukri had suffered during the months before her death. Zamzam says her daughter had been unhappy at school prior to her death and had personally reported instances of bullying to Hazelwood High School, formerly Broad Oak Sports College many times. This highlights the potential negligence and violation of their duty of care towards Shukri, considering accusations of failure to address multiple instances of bullying. The school produced a report for the family, but Mr. Malik, the family's lawyer, said it essentially just said they were not aware of any bullying, which is not fair. He says the school failed to interview Shukri's mother for the report, despite promises that she would be which said again shows they did not fully investigate. The investigation of Shukri Abdi's death and subsequent investigation by the school, police and other local authorities have come to represent yet another example of the institutional racism riddled throughout this country. Being black, female, Muslim and a refugee means there are already so many layers of disadvantage that Shukri would have had to navigate throughout her whole life. And it seems those barriers still exist even when trying to understand the circumstances that led to her death. Zamzam says she's been denied the truth and has been offered no support by the police or her daughter. And when she was asked what she wants, she simply responded, 
I want justice. If the rights we came to this country for exist, I want something done. There is an ongoing petition on change.org called Justice for Shukri, where the organiser, Mr Fendi, wrote, We want a fair trial in the case where we get fair justice for the murder of Shukri Abdi. We do not want it to be brushed under the carpet like nothing happened. There's also a GoFundMe for Shukri's family that I will link in the description. But please, if you do have any time, check out the links provided and sign the petition. It really does help and goes a long way. Shukri was a happy, lively, chatty girl and was described as a joy to have in class. Shukri is clearly remembered as a smiling girl, cheerful and someone who did not have a nasty streak in her. She had a bright future ahead of her that was cruelly cut short in the most unluckiest of circumstances. So today and every day, we keep Shukri in our memory. This case is actually so heartbreaking and so close to home. The courts and the coroner, Coroner Kersey, has ruled this death an accident. The family did attempt to take it to the high court, but a senior high court judge dismissed the application for a judicial review. So they are adamant that this death was accidental. Bearing in mind, everyone included was a child. This happened in 2019, so it was four years ago. At the time, they were all under 16. But I do feel as though there was some foul play. For a girl that could not swim, did not want to attend, it just doesn't seem like we've got the full story. Justice for Shukri continues. The GoFundMe and the change.org links are in the description. Please do give it a read. Absolutely heartbreaking. It's so sad. She was only 12. She came to this country for a better chance at life. She came here to avoid the conflict in her home country. She didn't deserve to lose her life like this. I find it so hard to end these on a positive note because we talk about some real heavy stuff. I think I might need to have an emotional support bear or something with me while I make these podcasts because it's so heavy on my heart. It's so heavy on my heart, but it needs to be done. These families deserve awareness. These victims deserve awareness. But yeah, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. As always, I'll be back next week with some new content. Please do let me know if you liked it. I do have some questions. If you're listening on Spotify, this is not for my Apple listeners. If you're listening on Spotify, I have left some questions and some polls. If you could answer it, that would really help me with this content. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I have no promotions to end this with. Uh, I, was, I was about to say some, but they're not paying me. Maybe next week. <laughs> but I do hope you guys have a great week. Be safe. And... I'll see you guys when you next tune in. Take care.